0: everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. As we wrap up 2021, it's a wonderful time to sit and reflect on all of the things, all of the great things that we've accomplished this year. Never, ever neglect to celebrate your wins and also to reflect on maybe the areas where you didn't show up to the highest and best version of yourself. And certainly I'm doing this in my life, literally as we speak, looking through this entire objective data, looking through all these subjective experiences, the people you interact with, the physical body, the finances, like all of these things, and then just being honest with yourself, laying a foundation of honesty and saying, hey, how could I show up better in these areas? And the foundation of all change, regardless if you want it to be physical or mental or spiritual or relational is awareness. I have to become aware of what I'm doing and have to become aware of how I can potentially change it and maybe that I can change it. And today's guest is an incredible segue into understanding the mind and understanding mindfulness itself. Judith Pennington is one of the most requested guests. She's been on the show in the past And everyone who's listened to this show in the past sees why Uh, she's just a brilliant gift to humanity. And, And especially right now with the challenges facing many of us, the fear that's being inculcated into our minds. I hope each and every one of you builds time into your day to be reflexive and also to be intentional, maybe building some more mindfulness and more gratitude into your life. Instead of being abrasive and attacking and fearful of everybody, let's all sit back and experience the moment that is without all the fear, all the hostility, and all the anger that seems to be perpetuated in the world right now. And Judith gives us a great path today and a discussion around a lot of things from intentionality and ego and understanding the psyche. And so thank you so much for Judith for joining us today. And today's podcast is brought to you by Organifi. Organifi is a longtime sponsor of the podcast, an incredible, incredible product that I've been using personally for a long time. And you guys know that I'll intentionally seek out the best quality ingredients to put into my body. I don't use a lot of products. Like transparently, I try to use as little as I possibly can. So when I do consume things, I make sure the highest quality and they're serving a purpose. So when we're using something like greens, we're using something like raspberries, something like Organifi Gold. They all serve a very specific purpose. So if I'm taking the gold. Honestly, it's usually something that calms me down at night. Usually I'll drink a tea or Organifi Gold to really kind of settle in and help improve sleep. So if you're someone who's maybe challenged with sleep or stress is really high for you, I suggest the Organifi Gold. If you're someone, perhaps a man, as we age, we're looking for increased blood flow. Uh, we want to make sure we support that into any age, ultimately. Anyone who trains want to support increased blood flow. So the Organifi Reds this is a really good solution for you. And the Greens is just a general catch-all. If, you're, if you want to feel better, it's got some great adaptions in, in there. It's got some great vitamins in there. So it's a great thing if you just want to step up your health, right? We want to just kind of cover all of our bases as far as, you know, sometimes we don't get enough vegetables in the day. Sometimes we don't get enough micronutrients in days. Sometimes we're not able to take the vitamins and Organifi Green is a great way to support your internal health. And remember, your internal health expresses in your external body. So if you're not happy with your external body, start paying attention to your internal health. And ultimately, guys, Uh, Taking care of your internal health from a mental perspective, as well as Judith talks to us about today. So, uh, thank you very much for being here. Um, It's been an incredible year of many challenges, many wins. And uh, it's been really a blessing to be able to engage with you as my community and uh, all the guests. And I look forward to continuing to do it uh, much deeper levels uh, in the future. It's just, uh, you know, it's definitely a challenge doing all the um, podcasting remotely, not having any interaction with people. Like, I'm definitely a a one to one type guy. I like to be in front of people. I like to engage people, but uh, definitely new challenges in the world, as I'm sure you guys are all facing. So I really appreciate you being here and supporting the podcast. And I know we have uh, an incredible audience. And I hear so often from people all around the world that they just appreciate the guests we find and the content we put out. So uh, thank you. And thank you to the team behind Muslim Intelligence Podcast, uh, who's just doing an incredible job. So guys, enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the don't forget to support Organifi. Organifi.com slash muscle is where you get hooked up with 20% off. Organifi.com slash muscle. Get hooked up. Don't forget about it. I know you're very specifically working on the idea of the awakened mind. I'd love to have you define that for us. And and when I began meditating, I had no idea that there was different uh, potential outcomes, right? So it's like, first just meditate and then from there it's like okay now I can actually direct this to have different outcomes and I've just kind of become aware of that in recent times so I'd love to dive into that a little bit.
1: Yeah yeah great topic.
0: Okay so if you want to just kind of share with us um, you're the uh, current owner I don't know if you're the the creator of the Institute for the Awakened Mind are you? Right. Okay Um, and so I'd love to just kind of share what it means to have an awakened mind.
1: The awakened mind is um, a state of consciousness wherein you're basically in a meditation as if you were sitting there with your eyes closed, except that your beta conscious awareness of the thinking mind is also present. So you're very calm, you have a sense of inner peace, there's an open flow from the high frequencies to the lowest frequencies, and um, in that centeredness, you have access to your subconscious uh, creativity, insight, and intuition. So it's like a walking meditation, only you That's don't funny. have to just walk. You can be doing anything.
0: Yeah. And so when I hear that, I hear um, pretty big divergence from the typical state that most people walk around in. Does that sound pretty accurate?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, Well, you know, I guess that would depend on the person. Um, you can have somebody who's walking and distracted by the um, birds, and then you can have someone who's walking and in touch and in tune with their physical movements and their senses. And those would be two very different states of consciousness.
0: Yeah. So um, average person, at least well, it's hard to say average, what is average? But I would say most people, um, maybe they meditate, maybe they don't. Maybe they have a, a light practice. Um, and really don't understand the kind of immediate benefits and all the, the levels. So, um, if you could just start there, like what would be some of the, the, I mean, that's probably so far out of your realm of thinking right now, but so what would be some of just like the basic things that people would experience or begin to experience in, in, when they begin a meditation, uh, practice?
1: Well, most people start with silent meditation and they're taught to like repeat a mantra, uh, It could be uh, some words that are assigned by TM, or a mantra could be, I am the definition of inner peace, just something they make up for themselves. And so the thinking mind diverges and reminds you of miscellaneous various things that you have to do, and then you have to keep bringing your awareness back to that mantra. And the idea is to obtain a level of um, mental mastery where you can really stay focused on what you're doing and to be the same thing as what you're doing. You know, that's, that's a strange way to say it, but there is a huge difference, um, between for most people, um, living behind the face and then being distracted by thoughts or events in the external world and, uh, alternatively and much better, To be living inside yourself and conscious of everything that's outside of you, everything that's inside of you, and um, be able to direct your awareness, the words you used a moment ago, direct your awareness where you want it to go. And so for most people, when they start a silent meditation practice, it's all about um, closing that gap between what I'm doing and who I am. And And having that direction in play. And um, in silent meditation, it's going to be completely quieting the conscious thinking beta mind and moving down into those lower frequencies of that alpha bridge that's the strongest amplitude below beta. And having awareness be able to deepen into that quietness where you really are present to yourself and present to your experience and feeling that sense of inner peace and then having access to your creativity so that if you have a question you want to ask about your life, then you can ask it and listen quietly and get an answer to it. So for me, those are the basic two kinds of meditations. One where you're very quiet and present to yourself and don't welcome any kind of thought, that would be silent meditation, and then an active working meditation where you're quiet and present to yourself and you are asking for an answer to a question, issue, or
0: problem. Okay, so talk to me about the answer, right? So I think a lot of people listening are going to go, well, where's it coming from?
1: Ah, well, you can call it a lot of different things. Uh, my teacher, Anna Wise, called it the essential being that resides alongside our issues in the subconscious mind of theta, where create long-term memories, creativity, insight, intuition uh, are uh, accessed. Uh, I call it the soul. It's just a simpler word that most people can relate to. Yeah. Um, I also like to call it our subconscious intelligence because most people don't realize that we do have an intelligence, a wellspring of wisdom, uh, down in those lower and slower frequencies. Uh, It is that which psychics connect to. Uh, It is that which healers connect to before they do a healing. Uh, And it is unlimited in its power and scope. Um, I I asked Anna Wise one time in a training, well, what is the difference between the intuition and the subconscious mind of theta and the psychic intuition uh, and the low, slow frequencies of delta? And she said, well, there is no difference. And I came to realize that once you're down connected with your theta soul or whatever you call it, then you're just a few frequency, just a few hertz lower is the place where in delta we connect with that field, that quantum field of light. So when I say unlimited uh, energy and information you can get down in your subconscious mind, it truly is unlimited because Everything exists in this field, of course, including us, but beyond us as well
0: Does this uh, access to these lower levels of consciousness or or maybe higher levels of consciousness lower levels of brain excitation? uh, Tend to happen in a particular order or is there a specific process through which we should be like? um, Aiming to achieve these lower levels of excitation of brain of mind.
1: Yeah um, There definitely is Uh, for one thing Uh, brainwave patterns on the mind mirror show us and have for almost 50 years now that uh, when you relax the back of your tongue and focus your tongue on that awareness just of being relaxed when you slow your breathing then that reduces the thinking and the conscious mind but even more than that when you focus on your sensory awareness of alpha which is a relaxed, diffused, daydreaming category of consciousness that is also that bridge, um, then that's what reduces beta more than anything else, just shifting from intellectual processing to sensory processing. Now, if your eyes are closed and you're sitting in meditation, then that might just consist of becoming aware of your body. And when you sit like that and say, oh, my breathing is slowing down, Oh, I'm starting to feel more relaxed. Oh, I'm starting to feel peaceful. Then that alpha bridge is open, and once that bridge is open, then you do have that connection with your subconscious intelligence.
0: Very cool. So one of the things I've noticed, and I'm curious about your experience with this, is once you've done it enough times, it's almost like you can just access it with, within, like you know, almost instantly. Does that feel like something that is pretty common?
1: Yes, it actually is. And people do it all the time when they walk in nature and excite their alpha sensory awareness by looking at the texture of a leaf or the color of a sunset. And, you know, I think it's it's pretty clear to me that that's why we do go out into nature. That's why people do run. That's why they exercise. And, you know, there's a wonderful connection with the physical being that is sensory. And, um, yeah, that's when people think, oh, that's the solution to that problem. Oh, I see. I see. So once the Alpha Bridge is open, then they have instantaneous access to the lower, slower frequencies.
0: Yeah, I love this explanation that you gave us, like just getting in touch with the sensory experience of the body. And like that that's something that I think is very much overlooked. And most people are afraid of what they'll feel are afraid of what they'll hear when they're there. So I'd love to talk, have you talk about maybe some strategies you have for people who are afraid to sit in silence or afraid of what might come up as far as emotions, because I think it's it's a pretty scary, vulnerable time to sit by yourself in, in silence and just wait to see what comes up. So any, any strategies you suggest for people to yes. feel that way?
1: You know, that's a super question. Um, a lot of people do have trauma. Uh, a lot of people have sadness. Many people just feel like they're blocked, you know, they can't get anywhere in their lives. And um, I, re- I will remember being like that myself, you know, back in the 1980s. The last thing I wanted to do was listen to an inner voice. <laughs> I thought, well, you know, you look at the mess I'm in. I've been listening to my heart all this time and uh, following it. And it got me here. And this is not a great place that I'm in. Work-wise, I was great. In my family life, it was pretty much a train wreck. Um, and, and what I realized is that, well, first I started doing meditative writing and all kinds of phenomenally useful things came out of that. I didn't know it till later, but that was uh, my soul writing. Um, and, and what I realized is that uh, if you are afraid of what's inside you, then there's a pretty good big chance that you're going to be terrified of life in general, you know? So the simple answer is to sit in silence and say, what is this fear about? Where did this fear come from? You know, to know that you're greater in your essential being uh, than the sum of your parts. And so, you talk to that part in fact this is our most powerful meditation it's called an awakened mind meditation and um we we just sit there and recognize that the part that has the fear or that has the trauma or that is blocked uh is just a part of us that has separated out from the whole of our being for some reason usually uh, for a positive purpose that is intended to protect us and so we just keep dialoguing with that part and say so what's that about and when did you come into being and why are you in being and um, what do you need for me to transform recognizing that you're not that part that's afraid that's just a part of you that's not the totality of you and you just keep talking with it and about I'd say probably 92% of the time, the partner will talk right back to you. And because after all, it's all alone out there, you know, no part of us that's separated wants to be separated because everything wants to be whole and integrated, doesn't it? And so we just keep talking to it, find out why it's there.
0: I love that truth. You brought that up last time. And I'd love to go deeper into that because we didn't go extremely deep in that last time. This idea of, of different parts of ourselves doesn't seem like it's commonly spoken of. It doesn't seem like it's commonly thought of that way, right? Everyone's like, oh, I'm whole. This is all me. And, uh, you know, these sad parts, these angry parts, these inadequate parts, that's all me. So you're suggesting that those are maybe isolated parts of you that doesn't represent the whole.
1: That's right. That's it. Exactly. Because the The wholeness, the true wholeness of ourselves is that part that is omniscient, you know, that has that contact with the field. Um, And the part that uh, is crying or sad or angry or lost, that's not who we really are. That's just something that developed out of events inside of us or outside of us in life. Yeah, and it's pretty pretty easy to get that part to reconnect. Sometimes after meditation, the ego will say, oh, but no, I can't do that. I I have this fear. And then you have to just tell the part, well, thank you for sharing, but I've already healed this. (laughs) And then keep remembering that you've healed it. And the beauty is that when you are working with that part down in that alpha theta meditation state, or that awakened mind state, where the thinking mind beta the ego is actually witnessing the whole process uh it's first that the that the ego sees that it's more than there's more to it than what it thought (laughs) which is you know the ego's ego's a hero in its own mind uh but when it recognizes that it has these deeper resources it's always almost always if not always willing to uh, allow a, a deeper wisdom part of itself to help it. You know, the ego too wants help. And and that part will generally speak. Uh, I've very rarely seen it not be willing to speak and say what the issue is because of its desire uh, to not be all alone out there in the cold, you know, suffering and um and it do, it does suffer i mean every part of it that has a negative emotion or perspective on life it's suffering so it doesn't want to suffer anymore it's generally cooperative only a few times have i seen uh a part someone try to dialogue with a part that was just a black hunk <laughs> you know of matter that would not Uh, communicate in that case the person had to blast that part with light and then it reframes the uh, nervous system especially the brain will uh, through neuroplasticity uh, form new circuits neural circuits to uh, process information and uh, the healing is complete because it's happening where it has to happen down in the source of
0: it. That's so interesting. That, that really kind of parallels one statement that I heard uh, that really resonates with me is um, who I am is not the same as what I do. And I think as soon as I heard that, that really resonated with me, right? It's like who I am and my soul doesn't is not the same as what I do or what I've done in my past or what's been done to me. Those are just parts, right? Those are just a story or parts of, of the play, say, for example, right? There's multiple acts in a play. And if we can view it like that, I think that's a really empowering view. Does that sound a little parallel to what you're saying?
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's even another aspect. Uh, I remember when I was back in the 1980s, not wanting to listen to my inner voice, which was helping me so much and thinking, yeah, but if I change, then who am I going to be? So there's a real fear of change, which is a block in itself, isn't it? Uh, that says, wait, I... I know myself as I am now. Will I be someone different? And the answer, the simple answer is no, you'll be the same, essentially the same person without the problems, (laughs) without the limitations. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So one thing that comes up for me often is um, just curiosity around whether or not people actually know why they make the decisions they make. Right. So, we all make decisions based on mostly unconscious processing. And I'm curious if that you know kind of resonates with your belief or do you think people know why they make decisions and we have the ability to choose them? It's kind of getting into the conversation around free will and ultimately consciousness, right? If someone is unconscious of their thoughts and their behaviors uh, and their moods and their emotions, obviously they're not making their decisions, right? Something else is making their decisions. But I'm curious if you believe it's possible to transcend to the point where we can actually begin to be completely aware and conscious of our own decision making,
1: you know, I think that on some level, people everyone knows that it's possible. I mean, look how we gravitate to movies about superheroes. <laughs> you know um, we know that it's possible, but I don't know that everyone recognizes that they know it because. Uh, of the fear of change for one thing uh, who am i going to be if i change but but those fears lurk way down in those low and slow frequencies where we have to deal with them i think that most you know i don't want to say most a lot of people if not possibly the majority of people are just not self aware to begin with mm-hmm. you know that they're not Noticing that, uh, for example, gee, I just saw the same pattern of consciousness in this person. And now here's this person coming into my life and they're showing the same pattern. And then a third one comes and maybe it takes three for them to say, you know, this is all the same pattern. Is there, am I attracting this? I mean, that's a leap, you know, that's a leap. Most people will just say, I don't, and push, push away. Another person and don't realize that there's a repeating pattern because there's an attractive power in them, and um, there's actually uh, an article in a book that I read many years ago uh, called "The Stages uh, of Evolution" or something like that. In late, it was the stages of enlightenment, and um, the first stage was that something would happen to make people aware of multiple dimensions of reality. So for me, that was an incredible healing on the interstate while I was driving a car where I filled with light. And I could never go back and say I made that happen because that just was not possible, this flowing, pouring light and all the realizations that came. So that that was something really extraordinary. Um, Maybe for somebody else, it's going to be that they get into a car wreck and have a near-death experience. Um, something big has to happen. Or maybe, maybe their parent dies and they notice that there's a little bit of light around the body at the moment of death, the death flash, I think it's called. Something has to happen. And until that happens, people walk around in the sleep of ignorance and there's no chance of evolution. Um, you know, unless, unless they have some, I mean, I guess they can have some kind of religion that they grew up in, that they're told this. Now, most people, as they age, will reject that. But, but then still there's a seed planted, uh, a consciousness that, well, is there a God? Oh, there can't be a God. But what if there was, you know, and, Something happens and they call out and then there's a response and they go, well, maybe there is. But once they start on that realization of the existence of multiple realities, then they move toward uh, the stage of recognizing patterns, that there are repeating patterns in their lives. And their mind literally expands in terms of brainwaves. They start to look with their delta, which is always searching the field as well as searching this everyday world to find out um, what can't be known on the level of thinking mind. Um, so so then a search, search starts. And once the search starts, then the realizations of patterns and uh, repetitious um, behaviors in them and in other people, and they become more self-aware. Once they become more self-aware and they see these multiple levels, then there arises in them a sense that, oh, I'm not alone. There's something else here. And I'm bigger than just this bad behavior. I just showed at this party when I threw a drink in someone's face because they stepped on my toe <laughs> <You know? laughs> or whatever it is that we're doing. Um, and, And then it just goes from there, you know, the sense that, oh, something loves me. Oh, I'm part of something bigger. And then you can go all the way to enlightenment. But something has to typically be either planted within them uh, or to happen to them before people start waking up. I mean, how many people, how many times have you been through the grocery store (laughs) and had somebody with the cart, Zooming down the aisle, running over your foot um, and, you know, been completely unconscious of anything but the bubble that they live in. A lot of people walk around like that. Alternatively, you walk into a grocery store and the person next to you smiles and, you know, you feel a sense of connection with them. Totally different realities.
0: Yeah. So many questions come through that. Would you mind sharing, Judith, a, an example of what it might look like to sit down and ask a question of these, uh, these other parts of yourself? So if I were to sit in meditation, for example, do you have a specific question or a specific process? Again, you don't have to give us huge amounts of details, but just maybe some guidance for anyone who wants to start exploring these different parts.
1: Sure. Um, this is a little self-revealing, but it's the one that popped into my mind first, so I'll just go with it so i have been working on a novel for 25 years off and on wow. and it's a trilogy and mm-hmm. um i woke up the other day and just with this sense of defeat this absolute sense that of course this is not going anywhere i'm a professional writer but i've never written a novel before and thinking and i just walked around so depressed all day and it was just a completely new feeling to me because I had been euphoric you know a few days before when I finished editing the whole first book um but I just felt myself i felt drained and tired, and um i I wouldn't have necessarily identified it as a block, but it was a block it was a sense of hopelessness about it so I just sat down in my meditation chair and um, that day I didn't like the incense, although I love the smell of incense and anything that takes you back through the senses or just through mental associations to a place that you've been before that's peaceful is a wonderful aid. That day I had some spiking art, so I put it on the crown, the third eye, and I went on down the body and just sat there quietly and um, just closed my eyes and said, what is wrong with me? <laughs> what? Why am I feeling this way? And um, and I very immediately saw uh, two chain, links of a chain come together and heard the word connection. And I thought connection with what? And then I realized connection with the book. So I said, okay, well, Let's see if that works and went back down and opened up book two and started to write, and then everything came right back. So it can be a visual image. Uh, Many times I'll sit down with pen and paper. Uh, I've learned through the years to keep my mind quiet while I listen and just write down a stream of words that I hear. It could be a sense of inner knowing, uh, a voice. Uh, body sensation but the idea is to sit with it until it comes clear and to know that it will Uh, as long as you're sitting there and listening now of course if you're sitting there and listening and somebody drops something in the kitchen and you say you know I really need to go and cook that roast right now (laughs) and then your mind skitters off well no answer is going to come because now your thinking mind is your ego is activated again the alpha bridge collapses you're not connected. But if you just sit there and wait and then if nothing comes, you can ask for a dream because that's basically an awakened mind state right there where the ego's quiet if not entirely absent and what's active is alpha for the visuals and the subconscious mind which is dreaming REM sleep. So you just sit and wait patiently, you know, and with an open heart and having an intention. And there's no reason in the world that uh, that your subconscious mind would not want to give you that information. You know, the, I mean, the, the ego can be uh, reluctant until it starts getting information. But once that wellspring of wisdom starts to bubble up, the ego is always saying, what, where did that come from? And wanting, wanting more. And of course, the Soul, the essential being wants to give more. I mean, it came here to evolve you. It came here on this earth, on this planet to, to help you manifest the content of your consciousness. And, and this is my belief, of course, but I'll just go with it to manifest the content of your consciousness so you can see it as if in a mirror and all of the people, all of the events that occur in your life. So the soul wants you wants to give you that information and if you can sit there and sit with it and wait patiently and believe and trust in it then you will you will definitely get it
0: i love that to manifest the um the ultimate destiny i guess of your soul is very interesting and it doesn't seem like a huge number of people get to do that and uh you know how much time do you spend on a maybe consistent basis how much time do you recommend someone spend on a consistent basis being able to download and access this information that, you know, ultimately is, is painting the, the picture that that lives on their soul.
1: Um, you know, what most meditation teachers say is 20 minutes a day. It can be 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening, uh, or 20 minutes at a time when you're not going to be interrupted and you can turn off the phone and walk away from the computer and set your earthly concerns aside. Um, but I say longer because it takes a long time to tame the thinking mind. It takes, you might get to minute 19 and only just have one minute left, you know, of uh, of where you start to enter meditation, where you're not as aware of your body, uh even your breathing, and you start moving into a, a pure mind where there's nothing but you and your consciousness, you know nothing else is there and um and maybe three times a week 30 minutes but what actually starts to happen is that people will get an immediate benefit from that 30 minutes you know the mind will be quieter the heart will be more open uh, the body more relaxed and they'll say hmm let me try and find 30 minutes on the other four days of the week. And that's how people really get hooked on meditation. You know, that, that they get that the benefits are so immediate. I mean, the brain balances, connects with the nervous system. Um, neuro, positive neurotransmitters fire, the body fills with serotonin, even dopamine. And uh, it's it's a wonderful way to live. Uh, you know, you look at it and you go,
0: I'll never go back. Totally. Hey, everybody. I want to interrupt this podcast to bring a special message from one of our amazing sponsors that make this show possible and deliver incredible value for you. Optimize.me is a business owned by a good friend of mine, Brian Johnson, and he's doing incredible things in the world. And he's been doing incredible things in the world for a very long time. He's an absolutely brilliant man who has read thousands and thousands of books and takes the wisdom from these books and condenses it down into a format that allows you to consume more information in less time. More wisdom, less time is so that's their pitch. And ultimately, uh, it's just so brilliant. We're all facing, an overwhelming amount of information. I know personally, and I have 700 books I want to read. I have 700 podcasts I want to read or, or listen to, obviously I'm exaggerating, but the list is long to, to the point that I'll never get to all of them. So having something like optimize.me is a true blessing for me to go, hey, I can go look through this book on that site and I could see in seven to eight minutes if this is something that I want to dive deeper into. So Brian extrapolates the five big ideas from all of the biggest books of probably of our, of our time. And and certainly uh, old times as well. Some of the greatest books and greatest authors. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. So I suggest you guys all head over there now and take advantage of this free offer. It's not going to be there forever. Another incredible thing he's doing for our listeners if you're someone who's committed to your greatness in 2022, uh, I highly suggest you check out Brian's mentorship program, his coaching program. So it's a 10-month coaching program that I personally paid $1,000 for, and now they're offering it to you guys for $300, and you can bring someone with you. So if you guys want to split it, it ends up being $150. Myself and all my mentoring students went through it. And it was truly a gift, and not just because of the information, because of the frameworks of thinking, right? Looking at the world differently, looking at the world at a deeper level, and also ultimately bringing in all what he calls his luminaries, these incredible experts in their area, to teach and mentor you along the way. It's one of the best investments ever made. For 10 months, $1,000 was literally nothing, right? It was so little. And now the fact that they're doing it for 300 for our podcast listeners is truly a gift. So head over to Optimize.me slash muscle and get hooked up guys enjoy the podcast um so jesus when we started we spoke about different uh, maybe objectives for meditation i know that might be um almost like an oxymoron right is there an objective for meditation or is the objective to simply not have an objective and simply to be and observe what's there i'm just curious your thoughts on on walking through the different potential objectives
1: um i think it's extremely important to have an ideal or an intention um the people- in new physics will tell you that everything is about intention, that we create uh on the level of subatomic quarks, our reality through our intention and the power of the mind. And um Edgar Casey, who I whose work I follow closely, said that an ideal, which is modernly called intention, uh literally builds that intention in every atom and cell of the body, subatomic as well, now we know. And um, it could be just to have peace, uh, a sense of inner peace. It could be to feel connected with this multiverse, uh, this cosmos. Uh, it could be to get an answer to a question, whatever it is, to voice that beforehand. And go into meditation with that, not being attached to the outcome, but just to let the subconscious mind mm, this is the thing I want to work on right now,
0: yeah, how do you navigate so then something comes up, if I'm objectively moving towards something in this world, and uh, I think I'm on the right path, I'm doing something really well, whether it be a relationship, whether it be business, whether it be whatever any any anything that's important to someone and they sit down with themselves in meditation, and they're getting a different message. How do you navigate that?
1: That's tough. (laughs) And it does happen. Um, Wise at one time went uh, went and worked with the CEOs of a company and all of their top management, and she took them down into meditation, and they discovered that they didn't really want to work there. (laughs) So she didn't have a job for too long with them. Uh, and that does happen. Um, and you just have to make a choice, I think, between what the ego wants and what the deeper self wants. And there's a sense of knowing, uh, a feeling uh, of truth when, when you get a message like that. And I think that the brain, for one thing, (laughs) when it gets, when it's in an optimal state and it gets a, a message, uh, starts to yearn for that optimal state. And the psyche says, oh, this is what I really want. Uh, and, and then that can become your intention to manifest that different life, that different relationship. I think that uh, the key to living a happy, successful life is to integrate the ego with the deeper self. And so that those are not two separate levels of consciousness, but united uh, in a, a single uh, goal. And when they are, you know, giving giving the deeper mind what it is that it has said it wanted uh, makes the ego listen and say, oh, I can have that. And so then the ego starts to listen a little more. And then so you get this uh, more of an integration of the two toward the one
0: one thing that comes up for me is this idea of discernment right so it seems pretty likely in this world that uh, a lot of our subconscious desires are placed there by somebody else right by by media by manipulation by the story that we're told about what we love and what we like as children right if in order to receive love and acceptance as children we're obviously acting in certain ways that may not be in reality or, or in alignment with our soul right So I'm curious how you suggest navigating that. So as someone obviously who's an expert um, meditator, it's probably a lot easier to discern between that's pretty clearly a message versus this person over here is going, you know, the only thing my soul is thinking about right now is a cheeseburger. So how how do we ultimately discern that? You know, you ask such wonderfully
1: deep and um, high questions. Nice. Um, well, let me refer back to what I said before uh, about not wanting to uh, listen to my inner self when I was in the 1980s. Um, because I, I can really relate to that. Because I figured, you know, I've made all these mistakes. I've followed my heart, but I hadn't really been following my heart. I'd been following conditioned patterns, right. you know, in my relationships. What felt like home to me, well, what felt like home was love that's chaotic and painful, uh, because that was my home life. And um, and so, but when I started listening to my inner self through uh, meditative writing, I felt a sense of light and excitement. Uh, and i i said oh that that that's very different that what if i well let me choose that way and then that turned out to be the best way and then my ego said hmm okay well i'll go along the next time and the next time i followed the thing that made me happy and so the part of you that is your soul i mean you are a soul in a physical form but that part of you uh gets excited and it's a different kind of excitement from oh that good looking uh person uh working out in the gym you can you feel where that is that's generally in the lower chakras you know <laughs> down there in the gonad mm-hmm. area yeah but but if what your soul has said is that don't look for that person let the right person come to you once you have cleaned and cleared some of this pain so that you can attract someone who's going to appeal to your heart and your uh and your higher self, then that's a different feeling, and you can feel that feeling up in your heart and your spiritual heart rather than in your pain feel filled lower heart, if this is making any sense
0: yeah yeah, I just don't know that the average person it may not make sense to the average person. Right. Cause like, what, what does that mean? Cause they may never have experienced it before. Right. It's, you know, yeah. if you've never seen the color blue, you can't describe the color blue. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting reality because people are like, Oh, I think I'm with the right person. I think I'm doing the right thing. Um, but never actually spending time feeling or, or experiencing what that, uh, you know, that deeper level of awareness is, is to them.
1: But see, I think they can, Ben. Um, yeah. I think that if people sit in the quiet and, uh, and look at different alternatives, different possible choices, that they'll get a certain feeling. And that certain feeling will come with a little lift of exultation and they'll know. They'll know. Now, if somebody, you know, is doing drugs and drinking alcohol and, You know, they've been living in the lower self all their lives. Well, that's a different, they're going to have to do some cleanup work, um, and let go of the pull toward the dark side of themselves. You know, not, not that people who drink necessarily are, uh, in a dark side, but people who are alcoholics, they are, you know, the inhibitions are gone. The sensor is gone. Um. They're, they're lost, uh, until they're found again. And, um, and so the other aspect as far as being able to discriminate, to discern what's good for us and where we're being led, uh, and whether to trust that inner self that's trying to lead us is, is to talk to the parts that come up uh for example maybe somebody sits down with four alternatives and said i'm going to quiet my mind i'm going to feel which of these is the right one and while they're in the middle of feeling it um a voice says this is bullshit that was a block so then you say why is it bullshit and so the voice says because i don't believe in any of this stuff and then you say well, why don't you believe in any of this stuff? Because I went to church when I was a kid and nothing good ever happened. Well, what if something good was would happen? Would you then be able to, so you're dialoguing with the block, you see? And so you just go with that and then you write down on a piece of paper what it is you learned. And the next time you go in there and do it, um, maybe that voice has said, well, I might be able to believe it if uh, I could feel it. And then you say, Well, what could keep you from feeling it? Well, my fear. Well, what is your fear? You see, <laughs> you just, you're just going around the merry go round and trying to clean house so that you have a, a pure and a clearer uh, sense or feeling for what is the right direction for you.
0: When someone comes to you, let's say you're doing a live event or the Institute for the awakened mind um where is like the what does the progression look like? Do you guys have a timeline laid out? Uh, obviously there's somewhere where everyone begins, but I'm curious if um you know if you said, hey, if you followed this plan for twelve months, you would expect this and again, I know that's a very hard question to answer, but I'm curious if yeah. you guys have a curriculum or something along those lines laid out
1: yeah, well, you know um there it's it's not it is more like a meditation structure uh, than a curriculum, because if someone comes to an awakened mind uh, trainer and hooks up to the mind mirror, we're, we're not going to take them to tongue relaxation if they've said, I'm about to commit murder on everyone I know. <laughs> we're going to immediately try to take them into an awakened mind meditation to work with those feelings. So in in that sense, the question is impossible to answer. It depends on how many layers inside of people. And what if we try to take them into an awakened mind meditation, and then they jump up out of the seat and says, this is too painful, as happened to me one time. And somebody went to the 7-Eleven, got a cup of coffee, and then came back, and we started all over. Um, so, But but there is a structure. Uh, in fact, now you asked me about things that were different in the past two years that had developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is the uh, meditation center in the Mind Mirror Portal, mindmirrorportal.com. And in it, we have... Uh, a lot of different meditations for a lot of different uses, including these kind of dialoguing meditations I've been talking about, they're awakened mind meditations. And one of them is a, a complete brainwave training system. Um, it's available uh, as an album that we use for practitioners to learn how to train people, the different kinds of meditations to train people, to enhance their brainwaves and work with issues. And then there's also an even cheaper album that uh, is Anna Wise's high performance mind album. And so the structures are to quiet the thinking mind, to activate the alpha bridge, to get people access into the deeper self, and then to um, the deepest self field uh, in in Delta. And um, so in that sense, I mean, it's kind of a curriculum, but we can go anywhere, practitioner will go anywhere in that curriculum, depending on what people need. Um, Now, how long does it take for someone to do that? It depends on who they are. If they have a creative kind of work, say they're a software developer and with intense powers of uh, focus, or if they're a visual artist with the same kind of focus, this same ability to screen everything out, filter everything else out, they're going to go faster. They'll also have the alpha bridge. Um, if you have somebody who's in high beta and their life is falling apart around them and they've never done any kind of training of any kind and they're completely um, freaked out really, it's going to take longer with them because then you have to start with the beta mastery training. You have to teach them all of the ways to calm the mind, to slow the heartbeat, to um, minimize the sweat gland activity. Um, but I've never seen, and I've had people come off the street. Uh, I, I used to do many years ago, um, these, um, spiritual holistic expos. Uh, and I'd have a chair there, uh, a table there. And so people would come to me then. And I had a lot of people who were in deep trouble uh, in in their lives. And not a single solitary one, other than the woman who jumped out, jumped up and <laughs> ran to the Seven Eleven for coffee. But even she came back. Every single one of them was able to, uh, because of the, Intensity of their need, plus they were paying for the session, uh, to be able to follow the instructions and the instructions always work. They, the guidance always works. They are definitely going to drop into those lower frequencies. And if you're working with them out loud, you say, so what did you see? And they'll say, well, I had an image of a steel trap. And then you say, well, what does that mean to you? And then you go on from there and gradually unveil things. And then by unveiling things right then, they have a feeling for what it feels like to be in the awakened mind pattern, which gives them a landmark. So they can walk away and they can choose to do nothing or they can choose to remember what that felt like and try to regenerate that state in their brain waves. So part of the answer to that question is that it depends on how committed people are. Yeah. But, but there are, are always immediate results depending yeah. on their level of intention and commitment.
0: It sounds like you're just kind of walking through and putting them to a state and then asking them, asking the subconscious mind the answer to these questions, which is, you know, a pretty common practice.
1: Yes, absolutely. Except then the difference is that we can see their brainwave patterns. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if they're not, if they're not, if they're more in their ego, uh, and and their alpha bridge is collapsing, and their theta is constricted. And they say, "Oh well, I got the answer." You might say, "Did you really?" Keep going. Yeah, let's yeah. keep going.
0: So when you say the process um, never fails, it always works. Would you mind sharing a few steps? Let's say someone is in this high, you know, overly excited beta state. Um, is it just like you know? I, you said something that was interesting to me. Is like. Um, calming down the, the sweat glands. I was like, I've never heard anybody uh, have that objective. I've heard you say relaxing the tongue, and I do that consistently, but yeah. I've never heard anyone directing someone to kind of slow down the sweat glands. How does that work?
1: Um, well, the minute you start to relax the physiology, there's less sweat gland activity mm-hmm. um, because sweat glands are associated with fight, flight, or freeze, mm-hmm. uh, as is a high heart rate. And so they're hooked up not only to the EEG, but to blood volume pulse, to check their heart rate, to GSR, to monitor sweat gland activity. And so the beauty of this monitoring is that you can see if what you're asking them to do, which is to slow their breathing, to uh, maybe not relax the back of their tongue, that's not a standard unless we're teaching them beta mastery, but certainly... um to slow their breathing, to withdraw from the outside environment into themselves, first into the room and then into their bodies and then deeper into themselves. You can see if the beta is reducing, if the heart rate slowing down. And then we'll ask them, of course, we've already asked them, what would they like to accomplish in the session? Because that's the thing we need to know, to know where we're going. Yeah. Um, the moment we ask them to imagine themselves in, uh, in a healing environment, and everyone can do that, um, some people will choose a forest and find a hammock to go and sit in. And sure enough, we will see their alpha increasing. So now they have the ability to access. And then we'll ask them to sit, sit or lie down somewhere and go very deep down inside themselves the beta will decrease the alpha will increase and as they start to drop into the subconscious mind then they're going to um uh, they're going to feel maybe a sensation of light uh they might have a childhood memory flash into their minds cuz they're in the realm of long term memories um and as soon as we can see them uh, in an alpha theta meditation state with the heart rate having dropped precipitously typically it might have started if they were highly aroused it could have started at 90 beats per minute and drop to 70 75 even lower mm-hmm. uh, the sweat gland activity will immensely decrease then we know that they're ready to work and and they always are able to access that inner wisdom it's just it's just there waiting for us waiting That's and nice. wanting
0: So one thing you mentioned also a few minutes ago was the idea of Delta accessing the field. What typically happens in that state?
1: Sensations of light, uh, a feeling of uh, something, a presence that has maybe been intuited all along, but this would be a, a deeper sense of presence. Um. Some people go down into Delta and they encounter their highly repressed memories. PTSD is down there too. Um, But especially if they have a guided meditation that they're focusing their mind on so they don't get sidetracked with other things. uh, Or uh, if they are working with a practitioner who is also guiding them, then when they Start to flare out that delta, then um, then there is a sensation, more of a body sensation, something really deep and profound. Um, I, I was working, with, I worked, do a mentorship with a gentleman, and um, he comes from a very analytical background, a very scientific background, and he wants to go have an out of body experience more than anything and what we just encountered uh, was that he has a block a deep-seated block it won't even talk to him Uh, he just sits there and tries to work with well I'm going to work with him personally online and he'll he'll work his way out of it uh, with the guidance but by himself hasn't been able to but um, we were just looking a couple of days ago at his post-session summaries, which give us these data lines for each of the categories. And in this one meditation that was his homework, you can just see the delta flaring. Wah, wah, wah. He's looking. He's out there looking with his delta, with his delta radar for that information. So it's just a matter of time now. And and he has been getting more peaceful and um, more centered inside himself. So it's not like, you know, I'm not saying that just anyone can, no matter how stressed or uh, angry they are or desolate and lonely, can sit down and, oh, everything's going to be, you know, candy and roses. Uh, It is a process, but process never fails never fails he's getting there and he will he will get there
0: i love that now you mentioned the transcendent states or out of body experience does that exist in delta typically is that what the the kind of signature happens to go through delta
1: yeah delta is typically the doorway uh it because of the search uh because delta is a searcher uh it is uh what healers and psychics use to connect with the field and everyone else as well, um, but it's not the only one brainwave category that you connect to the field with. You can connect to the field and to your spirit and God, or for want of a better word, uh, which I would I prefer to call the quantum field or quantum sea of light because I perceive it as light um, and energy and information. Um, you can do that through spiritual study in your gamma and developed gamma, or you can spend time in nature and increase the amplitude of your alpha. Uh, because sooner or later, a person who's out there in appreciation of nature is going to say, this cannot possibly have happened by itself. So, this is there's your crossover into those multiple realities right there in um, in alpha, or maybe the person uh, is going to perhaps a um, hypnotherapist uh, to quit smoking and suddenly sees a past life. Once you're down there in any brainwave category and it expands, then there is certainly the potential for a field connection, a higher state of consciousness.
0: Judith, as I'm sure you're well aware, psychedelics are becoming a part of the conversation now and I'm curious where you stand on that as far as your ability to access higher levels of consciousness.
1: Well, I think it's better for people to do it on their own because then they have a a map and uh, it's, it's an incremental journey and you're aware of where you were the last time, where you are now and where you're going. And Mm -hmm. as you travel towards where you're going, uh, you know the steps you took to get there, and you can follow those steps and get there again. But um, personally, uh, coming out of the '60s in San Francisco, I'm very familiar <laughs> with psychedelics, and um, I I do know that psychedelics immensely enhance your sensory awareness. So you, so does marijuana, for that matter. You get out of marijuana, you get three days of alpha. Uh, and you know, everyone who smokes marijuana or does a psychedelic, the first thing they want to do is look at the world in a new way. You know, they're going to look around and say, "Wow, look how beautiful this is!" You know, they might see a glow around things or a sparkle they've never noticed. The intense colors and um, and that high amplitude alpha, I think, is what can generate the gamma that is going to help them feel the transcendence. So, you know, I learned a long time ago in a Benedictine monastery on the Isle of Iona (laughs) during the Grand Fixed Cross on August the 11th, 1999, that was also the, I learned many years later, the Mayan day of starting of the new times or something, that it doesn't matter how we get to God, only that we do just doesn't matter. As long as we don't hurt anyone else and we're helping ourselves, then good for them.
0: I love it, Judith. I think during this hard time, um, having people like you out there to support us with this, I think it's, you know, meditation at this point, the reason I want to have you back on is I think meditation at this point in our society is almost an imperative. It's almost a requirement to uh, kind of dissociate or separate from the fear-based media monologues are just like driving people to, you know, near insanity. So uh, I'm really grateful for you taking the time to come on and uh, for your continued work in this amazing field. And uh, I'd love for you to share where people can work with you directly or learn more from you.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, anyone can contact me on judithpennington.com. Uh, and, you know, I just invite people to browse through the Meditation Center on the com website. Um, there, there's one album called Beingness, uh, where you project your awareness into first an animal. It's a 10-minute meditation. Another one is into a plant. Another one to a magic potion. Another one into a book. Four meditations. And that gives people a wonderful taste of everything we've been talking about because the brain loves mind play. So it's very eager. Anyone can do this meditation. I mean, I've done this meditation for thousands and thousands of people, you know, in audiences. Everyone can do it. And beta quiets down, alpha extends, you access your theta, you get this information, and it's extremely valuable. So. um, you you can't go wrong if you're listening to a guided meditation and then you feel what it feels like. Now you see where on the map it is you want to go.
0: That sounds amazing. That's like something I always like do with my kids. And I know a lot of my listeners uh, are parents who are looking for ways to bond with their kids. And, you know, sometimes kids don't want to sit down and do meditation, but they may want to sit down and like make believe in their mind that they're going to be this different animal. So I will link to those in the show notes of the show and definitely direct people to judithpennington.com Judith, thanks again i truly appreciate you
1: my great pleasure thanks i've really enjoyed every minute with you ben thanks for having me
0: that's a wrap ladies and gents thank you very much for tuning into an episode of the muscle intelligence podcast judith pennington what a wonderful lady what a wonderful energy she's so calming she's so grounding And i think all of us need a little dose of judith in our life these days to slow us down, to calm down, maybe learn to sit in gratitude, sit in love uh, a little bit more often, rather than always having to be racing around. And I'm no uh, no angel, I promise you that. But it's always great when we have people like like Judith in our lives. And you guys will often hear me say that, you know, I really believe people in, in our lives are angels. People come into your life in, in a way that touch your heart or touch your life in a way that you can never forget and you may never see them again, right? And they're just literally angels and they've come here to give you a different way of looking at the world or a different way of living or a different way of appreciating the moment. And uh, so in this holiday season, this Christmas season, take some time to acknowledge the angels in your life. And, you know, I want to acknowledge, um, you know, everyone in my life from my team and my uh, relationships and my children and my friends. Like, I'm so blessed. I feel uh, eternally blessed every day to to be able to wake up and do what I do and to be able to deliver great information for you guys and uh, ultimately learn from the brightest people in the world. So um, guys, thank you for being here. I don't take it lightly. Um, thank you for being here for every episode in 2021. I know a lot of you guys binge listen to the episodes, so thank you. And thank you to all of our sponsors this year, specifically for this podcast. We want to give a shout out to Organifi, um, Organifi.com slash muscle, and also Optimize.me slash muscle. Two incredible offers that I highly suggest you guys take advantage of. Now, if, you have, if you're if you looking for a gift for someone, Optimize would be an incredible gift. Uh, just giving someone access to all these inform- all these books. Uh, the mentorship, the coaching is just such an absolute gift. So um, my suggestion is you do that and also Organifi, also make you a great gift. So thanks guys for being here. I appreciate you so much and uh, live your greatest life and a body love. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode.